Thanks for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Well, good morning, and it's Easter Sunday. How exciting is that? This is the day when we celebrate the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. And I'm going to be looking today at the topic of living with hope in the midst of despair. But before I get into anything else, I just want to pray quickly. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've risen from the grave. Thank you that we can shout with a loud cry, he is risen. Because Lord Jesus, you have, you have come back from, from death and you have defeated it on our behalf. And Lord Jesus, I pray right now, as we look through what we're going to look through today, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us, that you would come and dwell in us by your spirit. Lord, that you would illuminate your word to us and that you would enable me to uh, preach into the hearts and, and lives of people listening and watching in on this today. So Father, we pray right now, come by your spirit. Come and just speak to us, Lord God, as we look at this material together. Amen. Well, it's been a difficult few weeks for us, hasn't it? You know, a difficult few weeks for the nations of the world, a difficult few weeks for our nation, for our government, and also for us as a church and us as individuals. You know, we're living in a time of unprecedented change and challenge. Um, And in the midst of that change and challenge, uh, other things have been going on in life. And for us, over the last week, we've had a really, really sad week as a family as uh, Claire's nan, Beryl, died last Saturday of um, suffering from dementia over a long period of time. And Beryl uh, was an incredible woman. And one of the difficult things we've had to live with over the last week, and for Claire particularly, is how it had to live with the challenge of um, not being able to see her family um, and, and grieve with them and just be with them. Uh, Even worse still was the fact that her granddad wasn't able to be with Beryl as she passed away because he's not allowed to go go to be with her because of the coronavirus. This has been a challenging week for us as a family. But in the midst of that, you know, we've been reflecting on Beryl's life and who Beryl was, and she was an amazing Christian. She, uh, in the midst of her dementia, which was was getting progressively worse, you know, it was no surprise to us that, that that, that Jesus took her to be with him. It was no surprise at all. In fact, actually, we're thankful for it because uh, her dementia had, had, had got, made, got worse and worse and she deteriorated. And it was only a matter of time, really, before she went to be with Jesus. But, you know, in the midst of it, even in the midst of that, of, of that horrible disease, she would have moments of lucidity. We've got a video of her in the weeks leading up to, to the point where she, was, uh, she had to go into hospital singing, I'm S-A-V-E-D, over and over again to herself. And um, just days before, the days in hospital, she had a CD player in the background, repeating hymns in the background. And it's of so much encouragement to us that, you know, on her deathbed, she was singing the words to how great thou art art under her breath as she was lying there. She was just transfixed with Jesus. She knew a hope in him. She had this amazing hope and an amazing foundation in Jesus you know, it, is so, it brings us so much joy to know that now she is with him, that she's going to be with him forevermore. She was living with a steadfast hope. And hope is a, a slippery thing in times like this. Hope is a, a challenge for all of us. You know, we can feel like we have hope on one day and then the next day it's almost like it's kind of gone out of our grasp. Maybe at the moment you've, maybe you've had some bad news over the last couple of weeks. Maybe you've had some health news or news to do with your job or financial difficulties. And maybe hope feels like it's slipping away from you. You know, hope is a, is a slippery thing when we, when we face difficult circumstances like the ones we're facing at the moment. And so the challenge for us is, is, is how do we live with hope in the midst of despair? How do we live with a steadfastness in the midst of despair? You know, and my question for you this morning is, what are you putting your hope in? 
Where is your trust? Where is your foundation lying? And so what I thought we could do today is look at Acts 2 together. I looked at this passage when we went through Acts last year as a church, um, but I think it's a really great place to be on Easter. And in this passage, Peter is speaking to the, the gathered crowd after Pentecost. It's Acts 2. And what's just happened is, is that the, the, the disciples have experienced the Holy, Holy Spirit coming to fill them with his presence. He's poured out his presence upon them. They, they started speaking in tongues and prophesying. And the crowd are gathering. People from around the houses around can hear this commotion and they want to find out what's going on. And so Peter gets up and he stands up and he addresses the crowd. And what he does when he addresses the crowd, he gives evidence for the resurrection. And he evidences it by looking at a psalm. And he uses Psalm 16. You know, and I've said this on my devotional on Friday, but psalms fulfill various functions. And in the gospel writers' minds and in the the minds of the disciples and the apostles, the psalms were not only uh, uh, songs of thanksgiving or praise or laments before God, of a heartfelt cry to God, but they were also prophetic as well. And so Peter uses Psalm 16 as a prophetic voice speaking about the resurrection. So let's read it together, shall we? It's Acts 2. And we're going to go from verses 22 all the way through to the end of 33. So let's just read that. Men of Israel, this is what Peter stands up and addresses the crowd with. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through you in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, and this is our part of Psalm 16. I saw the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Peter goes on to say this, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and that his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we were all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this which you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So Peter uses a psalm as evidence for the resurrection. Peter says, look, this was prophesied about long ago. David prophesied about the fact that one day Jesus would come and die and rise again. David was living with a future hope, writes Peter, a future hope that Jesus would rise again from the dead. So why did I choose to look at Acts and not just look at Psalm 16? Because we could have done that today. But I think there's a couple of other things I want to pull out about what Peter says about this as well. And the first thing I want to pull out is this, is that actually... This was God's plan and God's foreknowledge. God decided that that Jesus would die. 
You know, God in creation, before the creation of the world, it says in Ephesians, before the creation of the world, God chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. How could we be holy and blameless without the Messiah coming and dying for us, without Jesus coming to take our sin and our shame? You see, we couldn't do that. This was the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, that Jesus would go to the cross, would suffer and die, and would rise again. You know, Jesus himself, leading up to his crucifixion, talks many times about the fact that he is going to die. You know, we see it in, 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 in when he talks about the fact that the temple is going to be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. And people think that Jesus is talking about the actual temple in Jerusalem, but Jesus is talking about his body. And he's saying, look, I'm going to suffer and die and be raised to life. Elsewhere in, in John 12, Jesus talks about the, the fact that he, he refers to himself almost being like a seed. He says, look, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it will not, it will not bear fruit. Jesus refers to his death and his resurrection many times before the event occurs. This was the definite plan and foreknowledge of God that Jesus went to the cross. That he went to the cross to put an end to sin. That he went to the cross to put an end to the separation that we experience from God. But equally, at the same time, and here's the paradox. The paradox is this. That actually, it wasn't just that God foreplanned this, but that we did it to Jesus. You know, Peter says, look, it was, it was us, it was lawless men, it was you standing here. You were the ones who shouted, crucify him, crucify him. It was our responsibility that Jesus went to the cross. It's our rejection of God that, that meant that Jesus had to go and die. It's our rejection and, and, and just complete dismissiveness of God and God's ways that led God to the point, led Jesus to the point of the cross. We did it to him, writes Peter. So there's the paradox. The paradox is, is that God foreordained it. God planned it. God set it in motion before the creation of the world. But yet we did it. Our actions took Jesus there. Why did Jesus do it? Why did Jesus go to the cross? Jesus went to the cross, as I've said already. He went to the cross to atone for our iniquity. That is to pay for it, to make peace with God. He went to the cross to bring everlasting righteousness to us, that we might know God forever. And that where we've rejected God and we've separated ourselves from God by our actions, that we would know no longer separation, but relationship with him. Jesus went to the cross so that we might know relationship with God. So God planned it and Jesus, Jesus went through with it, but we did it to him. It was us who did it. And that's the first thing that Peter says. Secondly, I think there's some really important things about what Peter draws out from what David says. And let me just read this, this section to you. And it comes up in verses 27 and verses 31. So verse 27, which is referencing Psalm 16. So David wrote this. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your holy one see corruption. Peter says, referring to what David says, that, that, that David had foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned. You know, I spoke about this when I spoke on Psalm 22 for our devotional on Friday. Jesus' cry from the cross was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, if you read the Septuagint, the Greek for forsaken and abandoned. So we've got abandoned here and forsaken in, in, in Psalm 22 and in Matthew, in Matthew and Mark. It's the same Greek word. It, it, it means to give up on, to, 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 to dismiss, to walk away from, to, to be abandoned forever. God did not abandon Jesus on the cross. Yes, Jesus is suffering the, the experience of separation from the Father as he takes our sin and our shame. But actually, God did not give up on Jesus. 
God did not give up on Jesus when Jesus died. God did not abandon him to the grave, writes David, says Peter. But yet God raised Jesus to life. Why is that important? Well, that is incredibly important to us that we understand that. Because how can we have any hope of resurrection from the grave if God abandoned Jesus? You see, God did not abandon Jesus, but raised him to life. God says in Deuteronomy, never will I leave you or forsake you. You know, we know that God is never going to leave us or forsake us. And we can actually live with a confident hope that God is going to raise us to life the same way that he rose Jesus to life. God will do the same for us. And it's not a hope that we have to strive after. You see, you and I don't have to strive after the hope of the resurrection. We don't have to try and earn it in some way. Just like our salvation, we don't have to try and earn the resurrection. We don't have to do that. We can rest in it. You know, David talks about the fact that that actually he he lives with a sense of confidence. Just, Just look at this again. He says this, I saw the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. He lived with a sense of confidence, knowing the fact that actually he could, he could walk in any situation, knowing that Jesus was with him. And he said this, my flesh will dwell in hope. You know, Peter's actually translating from the Hebrew here. Actually, when we read it back in Psalm 16, David writes, actually, my flesh will feel secure. You know, there's the sense in which actually we know a security and a hope from knowing that Jesus has risen again from the dead. We can live with a security and hope. And the interesting thing about David was he was living with a hope, like a a future hope of Jesus coming back to life again, a future hope that one day the Messiah would would be raised again to life. He was living with that future hope hundreds of years before Jesus even was born. He knew that one day the Messiah would come and be raised to life. And therefore, in his own lifetime, he lived with a sense of hope in the resurrection. He lived with a sense of confidence. It meant that David was never shaken in life. It meant that the the, the things that David encountered, the things that David experienced, it meant that he wasn't shaken because he knew one day the Messiah would come. He was living with a future hope. We we see this elsewhere as well. The the writer to the Hebrews uh, talks in, in, in Hebrews about the heroes of faith, those who lived with a future hope, those who lived with a sense of something they hadn't quite seen yet, hadn't quite grasped hold of. It was a future inheritance awaiting for them. And actually, you know, they were living with that future hope and that future kind of sense of Jesus coming one day. David is living with that future hope here. The writer to the Hebrews also writes this in Hebrews 6. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. You know, the resurrection, Jesus coming back to life again, is a promise, is a forerunner event. It's he, he gets called the firstborn from among the dead. You know, he's the firstborn from among the dead. And you and I are, are going to follow after him. We're going to follow in his footsteps. Jesus is our forerunner, our forerunner into the presence of God. He goes first. And, and as the writer to the Hebrew says, that is a sure and steadfast anchor to our souls. We can, we can give ourselves a steadfastness, a sure foundation in our lives as we know the fact that Jesus has gone there we will know that one day we too will do the same. We have a sure and steadfast anchor for our souls. We can be steadfast. We will not be shaken by circumstances. Jesus is our forerunner. But how can we? How can we be certain that this is going to happen to us? What's the certainty that we can have that one day we are going to be raised to life with Jesus? 
What's the certainty that we can have that actually, that, that one day when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead, that he will raise us to life? What's the certainty that we can have? Because we could look at the resurrection in Scripture. We can look at what um, Peter says in Acts. We can look at the life of the apostles. The fact that after Jesus was raised to life, they didn't go back to their day jobs of fishing and tax collecting and went off and spoke about Jesus around the Roman Empire. We could look at those facts and say, well, it looks like the facts point to the fact that Jesus did come back to life again. It seems quite clear, you know, if you look at the historical evidence, Jesus came back to life. But what's the hope that we have that it's going to happen to us? You know, where do we put that hope in? Because you can't get your hope in facts. You need something else in you. You need the Holy Spirit testifying to you. You see, the hope that we have in us is a work of the Spirit in us. Our hope is secure because we know God's presence in our lives. I can be sure of my salvation from death because hope is alive in me. Paul writes this. He says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So Paul says, Paul is, is, is inferring here and is writing quite clearly here that actually the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is to act as a guarantee to us. It's like a, a seal on an old letter or an old scroll. You know, back in times gone by before emails, uh, when, when letters were sent out to people from official places, they were, they were, they were marked with a seal. They were, there was a wax seal placed on things. And what that seal did was it guaranteed who sent the letter, but it also guaranteed that the letter hadn't been tampered with, that it hadn't been damaged in some way. Paul writes here that the Spirit's role in our lives is to give us confidence and a guarantee that what God has said he will do, he will do. The Holy Spirit's role in our lives is a guarantee of our inheritance. You know, Peter writes about this in his, sorry, speaks about this in his, uh, in his preach to these people. He says that actually, so this is verse 33, being therefore exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out this which you yourselves are seeing and hearing. You know, Jesus went to be with the Father so the Holy Spirit could be poured out. And the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is giving us that future hope and that sense of security in knowing that one day we will be raised to life. The Holy Spirit's role in our lives is guaranteeing our inheritance. He guarantees our future inheritance. That is a hope that we can rest in, that we can be confident in. You know, we can be confident in that. As we draw on the Spirit, as we ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us, as we ask the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us, as he does that, as he, is, as he comes and fills us, as we're thirsty for his presence, actually what he does in us is he gives us a sense of confidence in the fact that we know that we are going to be raised to life the same way that Jesus was. It's our future hope, guaranteed by the Spirit at work within us. You know, I can tell you the evidence that Jesus came back to life, but I know the future hope that I have that I'm going to be raised to life, not through facts, but because of the spirit at work in my life. He testifies to my spirit that I'm a child of God. You know, he speaks to me. He gives me wisdom. He gives me power to overcome, and he gives me good counsel. And the good counsel the Holy Spirit gives us is that we have a guaranteed inheritance waiting for us. So here's some challenges for you today. How are you living? 
Are you living in hope of the resurrection? You know, Jesus rose again from the dead. And the promise in scripture is that one day we will rise again with him. Are you living in a sense of that hope? Paul writes in Galatians, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Are you living in a way at the moment that is in step with the spirit? You know, Paul says in Ephesians, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit. You know, it's really easy to, to um, sit at home at a lot at the moment and drink and eat a lot. You know, I've, I've been treating every day like it's Christmas at the moment because, because we're, we're stuck at home. You know, we could just give our lives over to gluttony. But actually, Paul writes, don't give your life over to gluttony, but be hungry after the Holy Spirit. You know, are you hungry after the Holy Spirit at the moment? Because his presence in your life allows you to have hope in the midst of despair. You know, he speaks to us and gives us security. Are you giving way to panic or are you confident? You know, are you confident that not only God will draw us through this circumstance that we face in relation to coronavirus, but that also that one day God is going to raise you to new life. God is going to raise your body up from the dust and that you are going to live forever with Christ. Are you confident of that? Do you have that hope in you today? Secondly, just as I was preparing this, I've been uh, phoning around a few people from the church as well this week. And just God's been really speaking to me about this whole thing of lamenting. I think as British people, we can be quite stoic. And, you know, when somebody phones you up and says, oh, how are you doing? We can often just be, be uh, kind of go, yeah, I'm, everything's fine. I'm, I'm OK. I'm doing OK. But actually underneath it, we can be despairing and our world's falling apart. But we almost don't want to kind of tell people how we really feel. And it's been a real blessing to me this week as I've phoned people up from the church that they've just been completely honest with me. You know, and that's such a good thing. But as I've been doing that, I just really felt that actually for some of us, maybe we've been putting on a bit of a show. You know, I heard this said recently that we don't want church to be uh, like, like a job interview. You know, where everybody turns up in a waiting room for a job interview and they want to make it look like their lives are sorted out, that everything's okay, that everything's all right. Actually, church should be like a hospital waiting room where we're all actually, we want to tell people how we feel and how, how we are. You know, and you can be like that with God as well. You don't have to have a stoic, jolly hockey sticks attitude before God. You don't have to kind of just put on a show with him. You can tell God how you feel. And for some of you, I just really feel like there's an encouragement for you at the moment just to get before God and tell God how you feel. You know, we can lament, we can go before God with our heartfelt cry, God, why is this happening to me? God, why are you putting this in front of me? What is, what is going on? We can go to God with that when we're built on a foundation of hope in the resurrection. You know, if we're not built on that foundation of hope in the resurrection, when we start to lament, we can end up in despair. But if we're built on a foundation of knowing that God is in control, knowing that there is a future inheritance waiting for us, as we lament, as we go to God with our heartfelt cry of, God, why is this happening? Actually, underneath it, there is always the undercurrent of, no, but I know that you're going to come through for me. I know that you're going to come through for us. I know that you will have your way. And so we can have that future sense over our lives as we come before God. And so there's the challenge for some of us today. Maybe it's just you need to get real and be honest with God about how you're feeling at the moment. And lastly, I mean, look, there's a big challenge for us as a church at the moment. Are we living with hope in the midst of despair? You know, when you speak to your neighbours at the moment, what are you saying to them? Are you, are you lamenting with them? Are you despairing with them about the situation that our nation faces? Or are you filled with hope? You know, we've got a hope in us that goes beyond life, goes beyond the current circumstances, a hope in Jesus. Jesus raised again from the dead. Jesus, the firstborn from among the dead. And we have that hope that one day we will rise with him. 
You know, that hope is what people need to hear. You know, people need to see that steadfast hope in us. You know, as we speak that out to the world around us, look, you can have life, not just now, but life forevermore. That is hope in the midst of the difficult times we're facing. You know, as a church, we've got an incredible opportunity. I keep saying this at the moment. We've got an incredible opportunity to be a witness to those around us. And this Easter, what, an, what a, great, a great way to do that. You know those rainbows that have been put up in different people's houses? You know, I, I love the fact that the rainbow has been reclaimed as a symbol of hope. You know, over the last few weeks, the rainbow has become a symbol of hope again. You know, where's, where's our hope? Our hope is in the resurrection of all things. Our hope is in the fact that Jesus is coming again. And, and Jesus says at the end of Revelation, see, I am making all things new. You know, we have a hope that goes beyond the grave. We have a hope that goes to new life. We have a hope that is sure and steadfast for our souls. And we can be confident in that hope this Easter Sunday. Let's just finish it in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you rose again from the dead. Jesus, I thank you that you defeated sin and death. And Jesus, I thank you that because you rose again, because you rose again and you have ascended on high, that you've sent your Holy Spirit into our lives, guaranteeing that one day we too will rise again to new life with you. Because, Jesus, you have risen, we know that one day too we will rise and be with you forevermore. Jesus, I thank you that we can live with that sure and steadfast hope. It is an anchor to our souls. It is a guarantee over our lives. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to be like David, to know you ever before us, to know you at our right hand, to not be shaken by circumstances, but allow our flesh to rest in hope, rest in hope of what is to come. Thank you, God, that you did not abandon Jesus to decay, but you rose him again to new life. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we have that promise over us as well. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a church who dwells in the resurrection, who lives in the hope of the things to come. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us about this this week. Lord, that we might know new life, new hope, new joy, new praise, new worship, new adoration, as we have that steadfast anchor for our souls. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today as we've just looked at these, these things and we've worshipped Jesus. You know what a great day it is. Jesus is risen from the grave and we, will, we know that the fact that we have that hope that one day we will rise to. A fantastic Easter. Can I just, just every blessing to you this week. Uh, please encourage people. Please phone them up. Give somebody a call you haven't spoken to in a few weeks and say hello to them. You know, we, we demonstrate that, that we, we are his disciples when we love one another. So let's go out into the world and do that.